everyone. Welcome to another episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese. I'm Maria. And I'm Deb. And here's our podcast. For the realistic SLP. Who is actively anti-racism. That's right. How's it going, Maria? It's going fabulously um, because you made me a very delicious and hearty soup. So I want to raise my glass to you, Deb. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> that was a great sounding cheers there. Yeah. You, but we had pomegranate juice today, the yes. palm pomegranate juice. Mm-hmm. And you had a great idea to add a little... Uh, Club soda. There we go. To yeah. spritz it up. I don't even know what you did there, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. So I'm feeling good. My belly is full. I got my little pup AJ in my hands. Yes. So how is life for you? It's great. I uh, I got married a week ago. Woohoo! Yeah, so I am officially a wife, which is nice. I like it. Um, and uh, it's going well. I, I like I like everything I registered for. Mm, nice. Um, and we had a tiny wedding, and I have no regrets. And we are still going to have a larger celebration next year, but it's going to feel more like a party than a wedding interesting yeah like here we are celebrating our love yes let's party it up we will do like a vow renewal Mm. but i'm just saying like don't expect like place settings and and uh catering and things like that there'll be food and tables and stuff but just more low-key all right i mean i don't even know expectations are the thief of joy and like we were saying earlier when Ah. we were eating our delicious soup that you know the world has just taken a turn and that like i don't even know what's like what to expect anymore so Mm -hmm. i'm not expecting anything for your wedding just to show up and have a great kick-ass time right that's my expectation that i think will happen so definitely Mm -hmm. (laughs) definitely will happen yeah so you had your nice wedding in Brooklyn, which I'm glad you did that. Yeah. And I got to meet your dad. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, get to meet my mom, I didn't like, get to meet your mom. Yeah. I didn't get to meet Deborah. <laughs> no. Nope. Well, one day. One day. You'll meet her next year. Next year. There's always next time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now you are married. Are you going by Mrs. Racine? Um, I didn't officially change my name yet. Uh, I think I will go by Racine um like yeah all the time but mm. not on Instagram or the podcast or anything okay I'll just leave Deborah Brooks like on the internet Deborah Brooks will live on the internet okay Deborah Racine will live in real life I like that yeah so I'll have like some sense of semi-privacy maybe which I don't because Mike's a comedian and talks about everything that yes. happens with us on stage so yes he does yeah which he's performing tonight, right? Yes. He, um, you know, 2020 doing stand up in a park in the Lower mm-hmm. East Side. Mm. I guess nighttime in a park. You used to not be able to go parks. At, well, you weren't supposed to go to parks at night. And uh, now you're like, that's where the party is at. Let's go there. That's what people are doing. Um, I'm into it. Something else exciting is uh, yes. Jenny Bjorn. She Woo-hoo. sent me these brand new prosody cues. They're in a lovely pink box. Um, and I just got them in the mail today. This was my wedding present from her. Oh, um, wow. I'm thrilled and I can't wait to use them. I use my other Biorum speech sound cues. Yes, all the give time. me a speech sound cue right here. Um, okay. Help me out. So, well, I'm this just... is actually for Final Constant Deletion. All right. So you can say two <laughs> <I'm> like, <gasps> or toot, and it looks like someone's farting. Yeah. 
And I could say tooth. Ooh, these are hard. Right, but I always these do are tough. Like two, tooth. Toot. Two, tooth. So oh, I like go back. You to, switched it up on me. Yeah, I go like bow, bone. I was gonna say something else. <laughs> bow, boat. Yeah. Oh, okay. So and you keep I, switching I it up. Go back to the um, card without the final consonant between each one. I also have these letterization cues. That's great with. You, you going back I do tend to do that also because I want them to hear this sound and then we hear this sound and then you hear this one and then you double sure you hear that one you know you just yeah. keep going back and forth to stimulate the auditory section of the brain yeah and to make sure that everyone is saying is understanding that there needs to be a difference between mm -hmm. the words and then I also have these um letterization cues that were made by Amy Graham and Jenny Buren and my favorite one is the spray bottle sound I have a spray bottle in my hand yeah. actually and it's <laughs> I'm not gonna spray because AJ will be scared right because that's the bottle that she takes out to threaten him <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm not going to deny you but he really needs to he bark fire threat he, he barks way too much sometimes, and I don't overuse the spray bottle. And it's just water. And I might even add some essential oils in here to help for his fur. Oh, I think dogs are not supposed to have essential oils. Are you sure? Because yeah. I have a spray with it that I got. But if it maybe comes, if it it, I don't know. You have to look it up because okay. I did get warned by somebody on the Internet. Who oh, was like, they could be harmful. I mean, I OK, think that, never um, mind. Young living ones are fine, but I don't actually know. All right. I know is that there's always somebody on the internet that wants to tell you what you're doing is harmful. Okay, well then maybe I'll just stick with water yeah. and keep life simple. You I know, I did get I did get That's one it. piece of hateful mm. messaging mm. from my wedding on my Instagram. What? Um, don't worry, I blocked that bitch. <laughs> um, but okay. she she messaged me and was like, really, you're going to sacrifice your parents and your grandparents for just so that you can have a wedding and wear a dress and put like the puke emoji. <gasps> and then I went to her page and she was like, medical SLP, solo traveler. And I'm like, you're solo because no one likes you. <laughs> and um, two, you're like snorkeling and scuba diving, which is like the most privileged hobby of all time. So your life can't be that hard and go away. So right. I'm waiting full two weeks. I feel like the puke emoji just really would have pissed me off. The whole thing like, did. But just the puke emoji, like, fine. Like, at least just don't even use an emoji. Like, you had to use that puke emoji. Yeah, she like did the your, puke your, one your the wedding one. is so revolting. It yeah. stimulates the need to regurgitate your yeah. already chewed and swallowed food. Well, that's how I felt about her message. <laughs> And it hasn't been two full weeks, but we're almost there. I've checked in with everyone. No one has gotten COVID. I feel great. Yeah, good. Thank God. You made me some hearty um, vegetable soup. To here we go. We had vitamins. Right. Uh, so once two weeks have passed, I'm gonna go tell her. I'm gonna unblock her. Right. I'm gonna message her. Tell her she's a big fat loser, and then I'm gonna block her again because <laughs> I don't need that person in my life. But just moving forward, just let anyone know if you think you got some advice for me, you better think twice because I don't want it. Don't give unsolicited advice, no, everyone. It's that's very just, undesirable. I think that's just overall good advice, something we should all, myself included, you know, be yeah. mindful about. My new favorite word to say now, being mindful about it. And you know what? This is a little off topic, but often I feel like people come to me and they tell me stuff 
And I just like to sit and listen. Mm. And I don't even like to, not only do I not give advice, but I don't even like to ask questions. You don't like to ask questions. You have said this to me. Yeah. Because I feel like you're going to tell me what you want me to know. And I don't want to pry and I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable by like digging deeper. Yes. So like I'm going to create the space where you can communicate with me, but I don't want you to feel like I'm invading your privacy because I just think that people will tell you what they want you to know. Very, so, very true. So that's just how I approach things. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but I try not to give unsolicited advice and I don't. I try not to ask questions. I just try to listen and then seem open so that people can keep talking. I like that. You're you're more of like a passive communicator. Yeah. But I think if anything, that just makes you a great listener. No, I don't know. I, I think you are people uncomfortable. Right. You don't want to put them on the spot. I definitely do put people on the spot, which mm-hmm. people like tell me that I do, <laughs> which made me, I think, be a good professor because I was like, wait, oh, there's there no sleep in my class because you were going to be like, right. what? What did you think about that? What would you do with this kid with AAC? What core words would you use? What? You don't know what a core word is? You're like, Ow. that was five slides down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, everyone should know what core words are. Anyway, moving yes, on. Um, so back to school? Yes, back to oh. school. Yeah. So I am going to focus on what the kids are interested in this year. That's mm-hmm. really going to be my focus because, um, of course, I really want to do a lot of social stories for hand washing and wearing masks. That's definitely my priority, which is coming back into therapy. But I really do want to keep track of what the parents say because we really need the parents like buy-in and need them to be there for teletherapy because I'm doing blended in-person and teletherapy right yeah so um I really want to make sure I'm listening to the parents and now's like time now is the time because it's like September back to school fresh slate I have a lot of brand new kids so I just want to be like tell me about them and like really listen to that and like write it down and put it in the kids folder and then like make my therapy geared around their interests that's great. Yeah, so that's my plan. So that's my uh, focus for this school year. Targeting everyone's interests. Yeah, because it's highly motivating and it will increase the likelihood of them to communicate because, mm-hmm. as you know, my students have complex communication needs, so I really need their motivation, and then we could work on expanding. And But I just really need them to like use their devices. I need the mm-hmm. teachers to understand why they have a device, and I just need to get really honest about that. And it's not going to be like something that's going to happen in a week like I feel like this is going to be my goal you know so like for instance sorry I feel like I'm on a tangent but I'll just go like one kid I remember like really hated marshmallows Mm -hmm. (laughs) but that was so great for teaching him the word no and then like in the classroom like I showed the teacher and she couldn't believe how much or how well he says no so like she was working on it more in class like after a story like was this story about a cat you know and like no like you know just reminding him to like okay that's the word no and then that's the word you feel so strongly about marshmallows about you know like (laughs) so just like making associations increases their likelihood of communicating so that's great I love it. And, I feel know, like I just said his so many things. Lack so. of interest, which he's very interested in, <laughs> but he doesn't like, which makes sense. 
Yeah, you could use what they don't like too in a way to teach no, but yeah. I would just like show a picture and he hated the picture or if I would have a marshmallow, he would never we wouldn't want to even look at it. Ooh. So we would just sit I would just <laughs> I know, but this is what we worked on. We worked on no he and he no. mastered no and he knows how to yeah. use no and he's yes and no being no, able to no, answer no, yes no no, no, no. no. <laughs> say yeah yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> you know yeah. so yes and no questions like <laughs> yeah. so important kids better know yes and no before you can expect them to you know do this semantic web about the mercury planets like what we yes. need to get yeah, back to, to scale bring it, it back in bring it back in and i you think you could be like is this mercury no right there we go <laughs> <laughs> That's um, when we're going to apply it to literacy, but I still yeah. need to make sure we're saying it like at a very like, not, I don't want to say basic level, but just like simple and mm-hmm. like, yes, no, let's get those core words. That's great. Thank you. That's my focus. I and, have uh, um, yeah. a hell of a lot of articulation kids. Wow. Okay. That is what well, I have right now. Right. I've never had so many articulation kids in okay. my existence. Um, so that has been my focus. Um, I don't care what they're interested in. No, I do, but. <laughs> so you're more the speech part, and I'm really focused right. on the language and the pragmatics, and really. And I feel like my whole career has been language and literacy. Mm-hmm. And now it has been. This, this year, I have um, almost everyone is articulation or phonological disorders. Um, and so I've got a lot of R's. I've got a lot of L's. I've got a lot of S's. i got... And then I also have some early intervention kids in the clinic who are just um, increasing oh, yes. expressive output. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have some like parents consults that I've been doing a teletherapy wise. So mm. I don't like see the child. I, I see the parent essentially. Um, and I use a lot of uh, uh, Leah Curtin's resources for, from speech and language at home. So cool. Everyone. Yes. You got to go to her website. She's got like everything you can need for early intervention to for generalization and carryover. She has some awesome resources. And I remember her talking about that on one of our episodes, which yeah. I don't remember. I think it came out like last summer or was well, it in the winter? 101. So this is 101. It's, it's, it's one of them. Just scroll. <laughs> you could probably just search, right? Yeah, I think so. If you so. search in iTunes. But if you go to Speech and Language at Home, you can find all of her resources and she sends you... Once you sign up for the newsletter, you'll get these monthly calendars with three different levels. So it's good for just a wide range of abilities. So you should check that out. That's a really great tip. Thank you for that tip. Speaking of tips, I wanted your opinion about um, having throwing a puppy party. Have you ever thrown one of your dogs a puppy party? No, but for Frankie's first birthday, I did make him a cake. Yes, that's what I wanted to do today, and I didn't get enough time. Yeah, I didn't make one last year. I felt rotten, but Mm. I'll make one this year. Okay. Oliver didn't like the cake, so I didn't ever feel obligated to make him one. Um, But the cake, I mean, it tastes fine, but kind of awful for humans because there's no sugar in it. Mm -hmm. But it's really just like pumpkin and flour and like Greek yogurt. um, Yes. For the... The yeah. icing. Icing. That's yeah. what I saw online. And peanut butter. Peanut and, butter. And no, not applesauce. I don't think. I no. saw one with applesauce. Maybe, but it has to be like because dogs can't have sugar, so it's like right. sugar free or something. 
I don't know what it was. Like grate your own apples. Maybe. Like, I don't remember make, what it was. All right. I'm sure you'll find recipes. I, w- I did find some that I didn't get to make today, so I'm hoping tomorrow I can just quickly whip something up mm-hmm. and then sing a little happy birthday. That's good. How old will AJ be? AJ is going to be 13. Ah. And I'm going to invite um, some people who have dogs, including my aunt. Nice. And speaking of my aunt, she is on our podcast i interview her and she has been is currently is an attorney a criminal justice lawyer for over 30 years she was studying for the bar exam when i was born you know we go back yeah uh she talks about a lot of things related to the justice system pretty much just old older laws that have made times i guess now making more sense as to like these laws that we've had that were really unfair and unjust and a lot of people serving time for crimes they didn't do or just very harsh crimes first timers yeah we get way more into it into the episode but um, crimes there's a lot of people who are in jail um and they are serving time yes. unnecessarily. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. So we talk all about it. I'm going to let the lawyer do more of the law talking. Yes. And uh, yeah, I'm very, I really enjoyed this episode because I felt like um, it was different from our usual speech topics, but it was just so relevant to everything that's happening. And it just, uh, speech did come up, of course, because, you know, speech is everywhere. Communication right. is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about mental health uh, very, very much. And that's where, you know, I spoke up of from my viewpoint. So, uh, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to hearing What's what the, name? her name is Spiridula Plaiti, but that's her name in Greek, but it's Susan Plattis. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm excited to hear from Aunt Sue. Yeah. Aunt Sue or Aunt Sula or yeah. Susan. Oh. Yeah. So I'm going to hear from her right after this brief commercial break. This episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese is brought to you by Bjorn Speech Publications. Bjorn Speech Publications is founded by Jenny Bjorn SLP. It's a great resource for parents, therapists, and those studying to enter the field of speech pathology. Jenny Bjorn is an expert in the field specializing in childhood apraxia speech. Bjorn Speech Sound Cues use fresh, diverse illustrations that speak to children. For more up-to-date, child-inspired speech and language products created for therapists by therapists, head over to BjornSpeech.com. And now, back to the show. Hello, everyone. It's Maria here, and I am sitting here with Susan Plattis. She is a lawyer, and she's been a criminal defense attorney for over 30 years. Say hello, Susan. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Yes, thank you for coming on my podcast. Sure. So, Susan is my aunt, <laughs> right? Yes. Yes, this is my mom's sister, and I'm um, very close with my aunt, and mm-hmm. she's a lawyer. And I actually, when I was growing up, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer, but turns out I became a mm-hmm. speech pathologist. But now I have my aunt on, and we're going to talk about bail reform, right? We want to focus on uh, that. A little bit about bail reform, and, and maybe we should discuss what's um, happening now in this country, which is this the Black Lives Movement. And maybe I could shed some light, or maybe my perspective as to why um, the country is in the state that it is right now as far as 
um, you know, rights for some individuals, some minorities, and why it has come to this point that people are protesting. Right. So you're going to give us some history and mm-hmm. then it'll make more sense, I guess, what's going on in present day. Right. But before we get into it, right, <laughs> what are we drinking? I brought over some oh. kombucha. But you didn't seem too interested because you're worried about the sugar content, <laughs> right? Right. So I I uh, normally like to drink wine, mm-hmm. and now for the summer I like my Italian prosecco. Mm. And but with the with being home with the, the health crisis we, with COVID nineteen, yeah, with COVID and and being home, I, I put on a little extra weight, so I'm on the strict diet where alcohol apparently is very high in points for Weight Watchers. Yes. (laughs) So I limit it now to maybe I'll have a drink or two over the weekend. That's nice. So you save it. You save your points for it. Right, because I'm going out tonight, so I'm going to have my uh, glass of wine or maybe two most. Or three? Uh, No, probably two is it. (laughs) Good for you. A lot of (laughs) self-control. And you're going out tonight to Clithati, right? Right, we're going out to a Greek restaurant. That's uh, right, we one, are. There's two reasons. One is we have some graduates in our family, so we're going to go out. It's the first time we're going out since the quarantine period. So we're, we're going to go have some Greek food. Also, I was supposed to fly tonight to Greece with my, my good friend and my son. And we're going to spend two weeks on a beautiful Greek island, but we'll look forward to next year. Next year, yeah. next year. It's yeah. okay. What yes. are you going to do, right? Healthy. Right. As long as we're healthy is right. right. So, yeah. So, this was t- too many points, right? <laughs> so, what are you drinking? You could tell the audience. Just ice water. Just ice <laughs> nice water. Nice and simple, right. Nice and simple. Oh, That's right. it. Well, all right. So, uh, funny story. Uh, you be, you've been a lawyer for over 30 years, and mm. you took your bar exam in 1988. Correct. That was the year I was born. And actually, when I was born, my mm. mom called you to tell you that she just had me. Right. And you said, <laughs> so I said, okay, well, I had this condition, um, with my family. I asked them while I was studying for the bar to please no draw and not, you know, not uh, include me in any drama as long as everything is no okay. Greek drama, no was Greek drama. That was I, I, possible. I just asked for okay. a short, that short period of time while I was studying for the bar <laughs> that they keep things calm and not include me in any of the drama. So, uh, I get a call from, uh, your mom. She's in another country. She's in Greece. She said, I just had the baby. I said, oh, my God. I was, very, of course, very excited. I said, is everything okay? She's healthy. You guys, everybody's all right? It's fine. I said, I said, good. I said, I'll talk to you in about a week. <laughs> I gotta was taking, go. I got to go. I was taking the bar actually a little longer than that. Yeah. And um, so I, I, I didn't mean to dismiss her, of course, but it was just like, everything is okay. That's all I wanted to hear. Exactly. And, yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then you saw my picture and you're like, wow, she's hairy. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Lucky, luckily, that, that, that uh, as you matured, that, uh, <laughs> went away. that went away. Oh, right. good. Perfect. Good to know. Yeah. So you were studying for the bar exam then, 1988. Right. So then shortly after you passed on your yes. first try, right? Yes. Yes. Cheers to you. We're going to cheers with oh, water. Yeah, a little water. Yeah, we'll get a little <laughs> back there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did, and I started my first job that September, um, and it was um, with the Legal Aid Society, the Criminal Defense Unit, and it was the practice, and it was in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was in 1988, and um, that was an interesting time in New York. Mm -hmm. Um, I could tell you that, you know, my life experience had been nothing to what I was eventually exposed to, uh, but in 1988 was 
really the height of the crack epidemic in New York yes. City. Soon thereafter was the AIDS epidemic. Mm -hmm. And so um, a lot of drug users were coming, uh, were, were positive for AIDS. And they were, once they were diagnosed, they were, um, it was it was basically a death sentence for for those individuals, and there was no way for the system to deal with them, and they were incarcerated just like anybody else would. And so, I remember having a client who was a drug user, incarcerated on a drug offense, and died really within three or four months of um, of once the diagnosis came, uh, you know, was was you know revealed to him. So that was sad. He was never released back to his family, and um, that was a sad situation. As far as the crack epidemic, um, there was a real uptick of violent crimes in New York. And um, so the result of that was that the prosecutors and the legislation just, um, they treated them very harshly as far as jail sentences. And there was this idea that, well, we're just going to teach them if they if they buy crack and they use crack, we're just going to send them to jail for, for many years. So actually, Deb and I had an episode about that where we talked about systematic racism, where they made the war on drugs and they made just, you know, like um, if you were arrested for drugs, it was right. a very harsh crime. Right. So right. you saw that. Right. Right. Because you right. were defending the right. people that were arrested. Right. right. And, you know, that was also at the time there were these these what they call the Rockefeller laws. And so people were doing essentially life sentences for drug offenses wow. and um so so the, the problem was of course that most of the arrests and prosecutions were of drug users and not and not drug uh sellers right like the head honcho right, drug right, guys right right so They're just people buying drugs. buying drugs right for some small amount of narcotics uh you you know somebody could actually face a lot of time and they were incarcerated wow um so so the that was one particular problem that we were dealing with people that were drug uh users drug users they, and they instead were, of going to rehab or right. helping them they right. were like, you're going to go to jail and that's it. Right, right. That was it. Right. So now things have changed. There's been a movement towards what they call uh, alternative courts. And those are, they have veterans court, they have drug court, mental health court. All those are were designed, but only recently, to bring in people who are in the criminal court system and give them another option, mm -hmm. which is drug use, drug programs, mental health programs, anything of that, whatever they may need. Right. But in 1988 and really many years following that, there was not. It was either you did probation or you did jail. And that the more it. times you got arrested, the more likely you were to do an extensive sentence. Um, so so the, some things have changed, of course, that, you know, the system has become more sensitive to that the drug addiction is a disease like like yeah. high blood pressure or diabetes, you know, that has to be treated in a clinical manner right uh, especially mental health that was Absolutely. right that was the other problem you you had people um and t today who have mental health problems who commit crimes as a result of their their disability Disorder. right their condition and not because they're motivated uh, to, to steal or anything you know it's not a property crime like that so they're incarcerated in the same environment as somebody who does commit a crime, let's say for for profit or for for whatever reason, 
that has changed a little bit, but there's still a long way to go on that because right. there are not enough programs. There are not enough places uh, for people with mental health issues to go. To go. That's mm-hmm. the problem. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, as a speech pathologist, we work with a lot of people who have right. mental health issues. But we're right. s- I'm s- at least for me, I work in elementary school. Right. And I do worry sometimes, like, where are these kids going to go? Right. And what if this kid is has autism, autism and he's having a meltdown in right. a public place? And, the right. co- let's say, a cop doesn't even know he's autistic and right. can, like, arrest him. And right. Where do these kids even go? You right. Know? So that's what I worry Correct. about. Correct. That's, so that's yeah. it. I mean, that's that's... Right. We could go into that discussion right. because there's another a recent case that just hit the news that a lot of people are not aware of was of a young man. Um, they actually gave him uh, ketamine during, to calm him down during a street stop. Is that a horse tranquilizer? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And um, okay. they gave it to him on the street, really not knowing any kind of what his background medical, uh, background right? right right just like that right okay. and i mean if you go into a hospital for a small uh, for a small let's say you fell and you cut yourself they'll ask you are you allergic to anything yeah do you have course. any pre-existing condition that didn't happen mm. so he died in custody and it turns out that there may have been some type of behavioral um, Issue. issues with him he was wearing a face mask and because he had phobias about being out with different people he was, he may have had some, um, I'm not sure if he was on the spectrum. I don't want right. to say things that I yeah. don't. I'm well, not he really, had some right. type of mental right. illness. We'll but um, he was stopped on the street because he, he, there was a 911 call about a young man uh, walking around with a face mask and making strange movements with his arms. Mm. That was it. And that escalated into him being um, arrested. And he, I guess he resisted arrest as, as far as they perceived it. And then he was given this uh, this drug, and he died in the wow. hospital. And he, you know, he had no record, and he had oh. done nothing wrong. He had done nothing wrong. So um, maybe in that situation, maybe you do need someone other than the police to deal with him, right? Um, or they maybe need to be trained on how to deal with someone mm-hmm. who has mental health issues or behavioral issues that may not be recognized as that. Right. Yeah, right. you're not it's not just resisting. It looks like a resisting right. arrest, but it could be fear. It could be it, it, it could be many things right. or it, it's and sometimes it is anger, I guess. Um, if I was stopped and there was no reason to stop me and mm-hmm. I didn't understand why I was being placed in handcuffs, um, I may lash out also. Right. And I think I think uh a lot of people say, well, if you just behave and if you just do what they say, mm-hmm. um, I think sometimes that happens anyway. And they still, there's still the, the situation still escalates. Yeah. So that's not to blame. The victim is, is, is a problem in the conversation. That's what I think. I think you said that very well. So, <laughs> so about the bail reform, right? You wanted to talk about some policies, right. just to um, to so, get so us to. Th- so you talked about, um, I guess, the AIDS and the crack epidemic, right. where they changed the laws that right. if you were a user, you would just they would put you right in jail rather than trying to help you. Correct. So I mean, there was just before, right? There, there was some policies that led. Uh, led us to where we are now i think and one of them was um and i'll get to the bail reform because mm-hmm. this is the most this is the most recent uh, okay. event um but some of the policies in this country and in new york were um 
I mentioned the Rockefeller laws, where yes. they had very draconian sentences for people who were arrested for drugs. And again, they weren't all drug uh, sellers. In fact, right. most of them were just drug users. Um, the that's um, the Rockefeller laws. Rockefeller, so yeah, they've been they they they, they those have been changed. There's, oh, okay. Yeah, yes, but only recently. Only recently. The the implicit bias that some research has revealed about the stop and frisk mm. uh, in New York and that uh, eventually was determined that um, there was a disproportionate amount of minorities stopped uh, mm. compared to whites being stopped for essentially if they if the officer thought you fit some type of profile which is completely subjective mm -hmm. yeah. um, then they could stop and 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 search you. So that's the stop and frisk. That's, that was the policy. So you could just be walking down the street, and right. the cop thinks that you fit his profile yeah. of what a person who who has drugs. I think you have uh, someone uh, coming to your door. Okay, so we'll, so we'll, right we'll be right back. And we are back. So it turned out you got a uh, delivery here from uh, my cookie dealer. Have you ever <laughs> heard of this brand before? No, no. but. Um, so Jeanette brought them over and they look delicious. Yes. They look good. But that's they the name of the brand. Yeah, my cookie dealer. But mm. all right. Check it out on Instagram. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> so now we're hungry and now I don't know how many points you have left. <laughs> so maybe maybe we're not we, touching those. Yes, don't touch those. <laughs> Let's stay focused. So we were talking about the I get the implicit bias, right? Oh, about the implicit bias in the policies of New York State and the country and the practices of the uh, police departments. Mm -hmm. Um and the you know, that drove some of the disparities in how minorities are dealt with in comparison to whites. So I I mentioned the stop and frisk. Mm -hmm. The Rockefeller laws, the mm -hmm. um, and you know the the statistics are that it appears that uh, so for instance drug offenses, mm -hmm. the idea of imprisoning people like I mentioned for drug offenses, and I don't mean uh, drug sales. I'm just referring to drug possession. Right. Although some sales, um, the low level sales are. Um, sometimes for like five or ten dollars oh. are really driven by drug addiction and mm. not for profit right so yes. so that's so so those people probably should be looked at the same as a drug someone who possesses drugs and who's addicted so um some of the statistics are that blacks or minorities are are incarcerated at five times the rate of whites wow and that for drugs, it's actually I believe the last statistic was four times as four times as likely uh, to be incarcerated for drug offenses, whereas the evidence seems to be um, that whites actually um, use drugs at a higher rate. Mm. So there you see a, a real difference in how yeah. people are treated by the system, where it does not match up with reality. Wow. So if you're incarcerating them for drug addiction, you'll say, which is essentially what you're doing, then the numbers for whites compared to blacks should be much higher. Yeah, but it's not. It's not. So and this is the issue, right? And this not is exactly. What's um, right. catching up to speed with what's right. going what's on. Right, what's happening now. Um, so about uh, beginning of this year, New York State uh, enacted the Bail Reform Act. Okay. And, um, and, and what happened there was, was that 
the most misdemeanors, with the exception of some sex offenses and domestic violence cases, uh, no bail is, they, they cannot say bail. They would not be eligible for bail. Uh, then some felonies, with the exception of violent felonies and one of the burglaries, uh, only on those matters could bail be set. There are some exceptions, uh, but not. But that's pretty much the simple take on it. Right. And the result of those bail reforms was a young man named Khalif Browder, and you know he's there was a Netflix uh, documentary about oh, really? him recently. Yes. Do you recall the name of the documentary? I think if it may have been Khalif. I think it's oh. not just his name. Right. Okay. Um, so. Khalif was stopped. He was at the time 16 years old. Mm. Um, He was a juvenile. I don't think he had a record. I don't really know. Juvenile meaning he's under 18. Right, right. right. He was 16 at the time. (laughs) It's funny. I remember learning that term in high school when I was in the law program in oh, high school. Oh, right, okay. And they would say juvenile, and I remember you joke around sometimes, what are you, juvenile? You know, <laughs> <laughs> just right, joke around. Right, right. Just but but really, the definition is... Under 18. Under 18. So right. that's how you mean it in this right. case. Yes. So, um, <laughs> Ooh, so, th- so, um, they, so he was stopped, um, because there was a description of somebody that had committed a robbery of a, uh, it was a backpack. It did not occur at the time that they, I believe the description was based on something that had happened maybe hours or even days earlier. Oh. Uh, right away, Khalif denied in being involved in anything. Mm-hmm. He used, there's video of his, of his interrogation at the precinct hours later, still denying, very polite, very calm. Mm-hmm. Again, I just want to note that he was only 16 years yeah. old. He, uh, Khalif, went in front of the judge the judge said $3,000 bail. Uh, he was one of, I believe, six children. His family was, uh, they were, they were, you know, they had difficulty in getting the money together for bail. Mm-hmm. He stayed in, ba- he stayed at Rikers Island for three years. Wow. Waiting for trial. Um, this is, a whole life was lost. This yeah. young man was eventually released at, when he was 19. From Rikers, over three thousand dollars bail. Oh so, my gosh! W- right, which is which is maybe for some of us a low amount, really an attainable yeah. amount. But for this family, they could not yeah. post that bail. I think that's a lot of money, three thousand dollars. Right. And right. I actually t- uh, listened to a TED talk about this. I love TED talks. Do you ever listen to no, TED talks? No, no, they're I'm very going to. good. And they said that that um, that's the issue in this country that when you get arrested, you can go to jail, and then they set the bail so high, and there's a lot of people who they can't afford right. to meet the bail, and then they're sitting in jail for right. this. Right. For this man, for right. three years, for three and years. think of how much dam- emotional damage, right? Well, he could have lost. Now he has a record. Now well, what, what about going well, to college? He, he was well. That's the what I'm going to get to. That there. Yes. Oh, while I'll he let was you get there, to it. I mean, he's, he actually, when he was released, uh, soon thereafter, he he committed suicide. Oh wow! Yeah, the damage okay. had been done. Um, he mm. while he was incarcerated, he was had suffered beatings from different inmates there's video of beatings by the correctional staff gosh yeah 
Um, he had been placed in solitary repeatedly for being involved in these altercations. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is, of course, studies about solitary confinement, what it does to people, uh, people's psyche. That is, it's so, it's so damaging. Again, I just want to remind anybody who knows of a 16 year old, who has a family who's 16 year olds, this is a horrible situation to be in and and to constantly deny the, his guilt. At some point, the prosecutor offered him a plea deal mm-hmm. that would have released him. So if, a plea deal is when you say, I'm guilty, right. even though he wasn't. Right. So he, he was offered. Even if w- you're not guilty, you're better off just saying well, you are. Well, that's, that's <laughs> like, the problem. This is that the is, problem. Right. Okay. That, that, plea d- that people accept pleas mm-hmm. to in a case where maybe there is evidence that they would have been, exonerated them or they would have had a chance at trial, but they just cannot wait mm-hmm. if they're in on bail. He refused to take those pleas because he didn't do it. Right. Mm-hmm. He he you know this th- he just kept uh, denying it and he would not accept the offers. Three years later, so while he was getting these offers and talking, I guess, with the prosecutors, he was in jail. Right. He was in Rikers Island. He never got out. He three years he spent oh fighting God. this case. Eventually, the district attorney's office dismissed the case. Um, because the compl- the complaining witness or their eyewitness failed to come forward. Wow. And so the case was eventually dismissed, but it clearly, like you said, the damage had been done to this young man during those formative years. He grew up in a really horrible uh, environment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he and, and really, he was a forgotten person, unfortunately. And so yeah. as a result of that, you know, he, if, if you look him up, I mean, he's, he's to me, one of the most sympathetic mm. uh, young men, and it should not have happened. He should have been out fighting his case. Yeah. And, um, you know, they, that he, he would have been in a much better situation. In fact, the case would have been eventually dismissed. But oh he came goodness. out and he was so damaged, he just could not really shake the experience he had and what he had done to him. And eventually uh, he committed suicide. So wow. um, as a result of, you know, you know what happened to him and just the, the, the spotlight that it, it put on uh, young people and the incarceration while waiting uh, trial, the, the New York State enacted the Bail Reform Act. Okay. And uh, other thing, the other thing that was part of that act was the, um, that the district attorney had to turn over, has to turn over, all the discovery, which means all the police reports, any videos, anything that would come in a trial has to be turned over within a certain amount of time, depending whether it's a misdemeanor or a felony. That is significant because people, I as an attorney, could sit with my client and mm-hmm. say, this is the evidence against you. Right, and they uh, know what they have right, against them. Right. Usually, like let's say prior to this bail reform, they didn't know no. what evidence they no, had against no. them? No, the Rosario laws uh, refers to a case. When I started, we used to get what the statement, the statement made by a witness right before they testified at trial. Okay, so they yeah. had no idea no just idea. right up until the trial. I mean, we have an idea what the charges yeah. are, of course, mm-hmm. but as, l- as far as details, maybe uh, discrepancies about their testimony, you know, holes in their statements, uh-huh. all of that we didn't know until we were at the trial stage. So it was a huge gamble yeah, and a gamble that most people would not want to take. Which is uh, why they would try to right. take a plea bargain. Right. Right. But now things are slowly changing. I think it's a it's an improvement. I know yeah. that the public is is probably uh, well. I think they are uh, 
disturbed and thinking people are getting away with, mm-hmm. you know, with, with, uh, you know, committing crimes. That's not the case. Right. Uh, I just always tell people consider that if it was somebody in your family, of course yourself that was involved in the criminal justice system. And sometimes people get caught up right. in something mm-hmm. you would want to know what you're up against. You want yeah. to know what the evidence is. You would want to know if there was a problem with this particular arresting officer, if there was a history of this mm. officer of complaints yes. in the past. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah, cause right. So what do you think about the whole like um, the reforming to or defunding the police? I mean, I know that's right. a loaded question, but you work right. a lot with a lot of police officers. Right. I right? Do. right. I do. I do. And over the years, you know, I've encountered different types of officers. Yeah. You know. <laughs> different types of right. people. <laughs> yes. I'm right. I'm going to keep it. You know. Right. So, <laughs> the, so this whole idea of defunding the NYPD. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the problem with social media, mm-hmm. what it does to people. So if people here defunding, they think that, oh, okay, they're going to shut down precincts. That's right. not going to happen. Right. But we're talking about taking maybe, for instance, in a small precinct, maybe taking a million dollars, just giving you a number, mm-hmm. and putting it towards a social worker. So let's okay. say mm-hmm. um, I call because my elderly mother is who has dementia is acting uh, to Erratically. Uh, erratically. Yeah. I don't think to have a police officer arrive who may be very helpful. I'm not suggesting that they would not mm-hmm. be, but just the presence of a police officer in uniform with a with a weapon is not necessarily a good thing. So right. bring a social worker, bring somebody mm-hmm. else who can maybe just defuse the situation. So they want to take some money from the NYPD and put it into other agencies, other agencies in New York. So no one is looking, no one no one is going to shut down the, the entire so. NYPD. No, right. No. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I feel like we talked about a lot, right? We talked <laughs> about the Rockefeller laws, implicit bias, which goes with the stop and frisk. Mm-hmm. And now with the case of the young man, um, Khalif Browder. What happened? Which one? The Khalif? Yeah, Khalif. Right. Now that has set into motion bail reform. So. Right. Which is what if you can't? What are they trying to change with the bail? So bail. Sorry, so, I'm a, not a not no, a lawyer okay. person here. You know, just so <laughs> um, so break it down in, for us. So for <laughs> instance, if somebody has a record mm-hmm. and is arrested for shoplifting a Target, okay. Uh, pr- prior to the bail reform, bail m- there's a very good chance that bail would be set. Right. So somebody would stay in the system for. Sp- could be a couple of weeks it could be months i don't know okay. um over a, a over a, a misdemeanor uh, yeah a, right. exactly a misdemeanor that's so crazy effect. that right. you would go to jail for that right. right right and they do look at people who have a prior record right. now uh that would not qualify for bail right so, okay so what would happen let's say so the judge you. could um in some cases the judge could put them in this program where mm. they have to report to someone okay. depending on the severity of the case right. and his record. It could be once a week. It could be twice a week. Those agencies also provide services to people. They have social workers on staff. Okay. They have people assisting them with getting jobs. Mm, okay. So they're, they're, it's, a, it's just another way of keeping track of them, but they don't have to sit in Rikers Island right. on a misdemeanor on very low bail. Yes. Um, and so, so, like I said, all misdemeanors with the exception of domestic violence and sex offenses 
um, would not be eligible for for bail. So they would be released. They would be released. So right. if you're not eligible for bail, that means you would you be could, released. You could be released. Right. Okay. And then right. you get have I guess like a hearing or something. Right. And then the case date. continues, mm-hmm. and you have a future date. You have to come in. Um, in some cases, judges could move forward on a case. Uh, they there's a there's a whole litany of things that they tell them, but. I could proceed on a hearing or even trial without my client being there mm-hmm. um, if they don't show up. So, oh, okay. but, but um, that's that's really an extreme situation. Right. But normally they would be released and they would be, some of them would just come in and whenever they're asked to, which is usually about once a month until the okay. case is resolved or finished in some way. So they don't have to sit in jail is the right. biggest thing. Right. Okay. Well, I think that's a better, right? Right. Better right. movement. I mean, coming because you've been in this field <laughs> for thirty years. So right. When you first started, it was it just kind of like everybody went to yeah. jail. You yeah. know, everybody went to jail. Everybody went to jail. That and was it. Um, I have this theory, which is not based on anything other than okay. my ex- personal experience. That's a good theory, then. And I actually, um, how I came about to to, to, to come to this conclusion was mm-hmm. I was involved with drug treatment court in mm-hmm. Staten Island, and I was one of the first people to be involved on the defense side. Mm-hmm. And it was a really novel way of handling the system, people through the system because um, they were they had to be spoken to in a certain way. There was a lot of back and forth between the judge and the and the person in the in the program. There were a lot of opportunities to to basically there was some expectation that there would be some failure in the beginning mm-hmm. because it's it's drug addiction. It's not yes. you don't just you know come through the system and then you're automatically cured of it. Right. So there was um so so it was very different for all of us, but I for more most of them they were it was a first arrest. So they were really scared. Yeah. And I found that one of the things a judge could do if people were not uh, cooperating with the program or testing positive or not taking it seriously was there was always this threat, I could put you in jail for the weekend. Mm. I could put you at Rikers, you know, for a week. And then maybe the idea is maybe you'll get this. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I found the ones who had no record, who had never been in Rikers, who had never been incarcerated, the thought and the threat that this judge could put them in jail was enough. Mm. What I started to see was some people could not keep things together. Mm-hmm. And so they were testing positive and they were not going to the program. Mm-hmm. Once the judge put them in for a weekend or a week. At Rikers? At Rikers. Okay. That's it. I The next time they did something, it became easier to go back in. Um, so what I started to see was, again, this is only my perspective, was the threat of jail no longer had the same effect. It did as it did initially. Because they've already They've already experienced they've it. Already They're already like, okay, I can could, I could live through this. Mm-hmm. It's, not ter- it's terrible, it's horrible, but okay. So I felt like that's why I think, yes, maybe for some people incarceration needs to happen. I understand society needs that answer mm-hmm. for people who commit crimes. But there's so many people in between there that yes. do not belong there. Right. And it doesn't serve any purpose, really. Right. If anything, it makes right. things worse. And I right, think for I some had another people. statistic that the United States is the world's leader of incarcerating individuals wow. on crimes. Yeah. So, so yeah. That's that. Those so, we have a facts. long way to go. Right. We have a long way to go. Right. Is right. Right. So, I mean, I guess I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but... It, I mean, given you said that bail reform right. and now with 
the movement happening. Right. Do you think there will be more change? Do you I think so. Hope so. <laughs> I think so. I yeah, mean, I I don't. You know, I I think about. Um, you know, I watched. The, oh, they want to knock down the st- the statues and all that. Mm-hmm. I I wish you know there was more of a conversation about what to bring down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so and so, if there is something about a statue or a memorial about an individual that really does not represent our ideals today, mm-hmm. maybe we should not. Uh, I don't know much, but I don't think Germany has kept any memorial statues of any mm. Nazis. I mean, yeah. it's in their history, and right. that's it, but it doesn't mean that they will commemorate them in any way. I see. So that's like one, just one small point. Yeah. But I'm happy to see that people are protesting. I yeah. think it's, I think it's, it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. I think the country listens. I think our leaders have to listen. Yeah. And so um, instead of treating them all as violent mm. looters, and I know they're looting, and I nobody and nobody's saying that these are people who represent the protesters. Right. So th- we're taking a couple of, a, a few isolated incidents mm-hmm. of people who are looting and committing violent acts and really watering down what the message is that, that yeah. the police department are here to serve the public. And um, and while we all recognize they have a difficult job, that is the job that they've taken on. Yes. And they should do it in the best way and treat people. Uh, right. I guess it's the old, uh, the, what's that old saying? The golden rule? The golden rule, treat yeah. Treat others the way you want to mm-hmm. be treated. I always say that. I imagine that's your loved one. Yeah. Right. No, that's true. Right. And I always, you know, I think about that too when I work with kids, you know. Like mm-hmm. one day when I have kids, I would want their teacher to be nice to them too, you know. Exactly. So it's, and it's also karma, I think. Exactly. That's how I look at that. Exactly. So we usually like to end our episodes with a quote. Would you like to end with that quote? Treat others the way you would like to be treated? Sure. I also, uh, just one more thing. Yeah, I was sure. Thinking, there's... Name. There's a philosopher. Mm-hmm. Oh, Ed- well, I mean, we Ed- are Greek. So, you know, right? no, 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 no. He's, he's pretty oh, new. He's, he's a new Ed- philosopher. Okay. <laughs> Not Plato, Socrates. No, no. no, no. Okay. T- his right. last name is Toll, and he said okay. something about what's his last name? Toll, T O H L E. And I first uh-huh. time I saw him, he's 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 pretty popular writer. He's mm-hmm. a philosopher, and um, he wrote about like what um, how does a society and humanity move forward? Mm-hmm. How do how do we from one generation to the next improve and he said really it's all about compassion yes is to have compassion for your for your fellow man for any living creature you know really that's you know it come even animals you know yeah. that's it. so so i think if we could look at it from that perspective and have compassion for others and like you said the golden rule which is right. how would you like your loved one to be treated right. i think um it would maybe we could see things the way it's presented by other people and other voices for sure very mm-hmm. well said <laughs> couldn't have said it's <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming thank on the you. show. I finally got to interview you. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to thank summer. you for being so supportive oh. of the podcast. I oh, remember. Oh, it's great. I'm so you. proud of oh, you thank doing you. this. I think it's great. <laughs> thank you. Yes. It's great they give a voice to different people. Give it's a, wonderful. That's what our goal yeah. is. And a couple of our listeners have reached out to us. And they've come on the show just for reaching yeah. out. Listen, if you reach out to me, you take initiative and you have a story. We'll feature it. And, you know? and next time, have me on. I'll have some wine. I there promise. we go. All right. <laughs> Save up your points <laughs> right. all week. And we'll be back. Right. All right. All right. Ciao. Bye, everyone.
Thank you so much for listening. DM us or email us and let us know your thoughts about the show. Bye.